from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the revolution. Now, this is week two in a row where Coach is all by himself, and I don't know if it is as bad for you as it is for me. It is not fun sitting in a studio talking to yourself. Now, I do that in the car. I'll talk to myself in the car, sing to myself in the car, uh, but in a studio, it's just different. I don't have to entertain myself, I guess. Um Hopefully, I'm entertaining you. Hopefully, it's not too much uh, of an issue. But I told you up front, so that way you could delete the rest. of You just turn it off now, delete, and uh, switch over to Rogan or something, a real podcast. But uh, we're going to give it a try. Corey, still under the weather, and uh, and so uh, I'm in alone, um, which is too bad, which is too bad because i definitely like to hear his take on uh, some of the things that went on. Uh, this week, even though, of course, I'm right, he wouldn't be, but I like to make fun of him when he gives dumb answers, so uh, I'll miss out on that. So yeah, we did have some tennis going on, of course, as we talked about last week, the beginning of the NCAA tournament was impending, and uh, the Division One tournament, and now this weekend uh, that just passed was the regional rounds for Division One men and women, and so... I know I harp on college tennis a lot, but I do it for a reason. It's 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 a an avenue of tennis that you can explore that's free, it's high level, and it's it's a dynamic experience compared to uh sitting in a professional tournament and giving the old golf clap. Uh it's a whole different experience. An entirely different experience which which really kind of maybe changes the way you'll perceive perceive tennis, uh, it might actually make watching tennis on TV boring. Tournament, you know, professional tournament tennis, because uh, it 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 gets raucous. People, you don't cheer necessarily the same way or at the same time you you do when you watch professional tennis. And when you when you're watching pro tennis, it's one court, and so you. You cheer, obviously, at the end of points. If there's a winner or somebody makes a miraculous shot or what have you, but with with college tennis, there's six courts going on, three for doubles, but for singles, six courts going on at the same time. And so the energy level has a different ebb and flow. It's It's a little more almost nonstop. I mean, you'll get lulls where – all six courts kind of have either points going on or just starting, so you're not really uh, getting after it, cheering. But um, but yeah, it's a def- it, it's a, a totally different different atmosphere, and it uh, I think it does have a danger of making just watching ten- tournament tennis a little boring, which is part of the reason. If you listened last week, if you didn't, I don't know what you were doing, but if you listened last week, we talked about my brilliant idea of some kind of team tennis format and 
I mean, of course, it's a brilliant idea because I thought of it, but I think it probably comes from my experience coaching college and that atmosphere that Team Tennis brings. I, I think that's probably, I mean, not, not I think, it's definitely, it's definitely where that interest comes into play because uh, that's what I do week in and week out. I'm in the team environment and watching, watching that dynamic um, happen over and over. And, you know, we don't have big fans, but we're Division three, so the level's not as high as it might be at, you know, a Duke or a TCU or UVA. Because um, that obviously, certain the level of play certainly adds a lot to it. If you feel like you could get out there and compete with the player, it's not, it's not as exciting. Uh, and some of you might. I don't know. I don't know what your experience is. So, anyway... So I digress. Is that a word? I don't know what it means, but I've hear hear people say it. So from from the team tennis standpoint, in in college, you have the added bonus of getting behind maybe your alma mater, or if you're a fan of a team in a local area. If you're in a, if you live in Ohio, so you like Ohio State. They're a very good team, by the way. Um, and again, we've talked about this on this podcast in the past. It's it's the the process or or the uh, the pathway I hate that word but the pathway to the ATP or WTA tour it's it's more and more moving towards going through college whether you're American or not as most people probably know there's a, a fair amount of international players playing in the Division one college ranks and Division two. Not as much as Division Three, although it happens. Uh, but without scholarships, it's it can be a little pricey for somebody overseas. Um, but the the process to go from in in let's say the nineties, where you had the average age skewed younger going into or onto the professional tour. Uh, on either side, men or women, um, it was much younger. Now it seems like everything's skewing. You know, Federer is seven. How old is he? Sixty-three, and still a top three player in the world. Um, you know, he's thirty-seven, I think, which is absurd. By the way, that's ridiculous. That is so ridiculous. Anyway, um, so he's thirty-seven, and still physically able to to withstand the punishment of a uh, of that level of of tennis. And so that just shows you that somebody coming through college that is 18 to 22 that hey or or younger, I mean they could come out early, but if they finished all 4 years that they come out and they still have plenty of time left theoretically uh to to you know try to achieve their professional goals and when you were when your career was over when you were absolutely over the hill in tennis by by 30 back in the day of course being in college till you're 22 eats into a lot of quality uh playing years so that's but that's not the case anymore i don't know if it's if it's medical technology uh, that we're that we're able to just be healthier and and 
be at that certain level for longer. I don't know what it is, but the fact is, it, it's happening. It's real. Um, players are just out there every, at every level. Um, or not at every level, but the women, men at the top five, at the at the top thirty, top hundred. It, it's it's mixed in with those different age groups, and so people are are maintaining their level, um, skewing older. And so I hope that is something that lends itself to more people sort of seeing college as not an either or proposition to playing on the tour. That it can be a nice addendum or a good start uh, to a pro career. And if that's the case, if that happens, I think that's going to add some depth to the possibilities for players, American players in particular. Um, and they see that as another avenue and, and, and that may lend itself to the idea of playing college as being more exciting. Um, because I think for American tennis, and again, I could be wrong, I doubt it, but I could be, but looking at how basketball and football work, it's it's not, I mean, to look at college as sort of the minor leagues of the NFL, it's a little unfair um, because, again, it's only such a small percentage of people that go from college to the pros. So it, it's not like minor league baseball where that's all there is. It's, hey, you're going to make it to the pros. You have to sign a contract here and play in some small town for two or three years, then move to another small town up one level and play. You know, it's a little different than that sense of a minor league. Um but that's the way a lot of people perceive it. But in order to get to the NFL, you have to go through college. Almost everyone. Uh, in basketball, maybe the rules are changing slightly, but similar where it's a rare specimen like a LeBron type or Kobe that can that can do just skip and, and come right out of high school. Um, but in tennis, you know, I think – if that age is skewing older, then I take I think it takes that pressure off of a player thinking I've got to get out there and start my career now, knowing they maybe have five or six extra years now that maybe they didn't in the past. And I think and I think for the health of American tennis, I think that's big. I think if you compare it to the to the big sports, uh, I think that does matter. And, and now obviously, I'm in college coaching, so I'd like to see it just from the standpoint of college. The more players that want to go to college at the very, very top of the game, it's going to just smush every level down and down and down, which gives us more depth and makes college tennis from top to bottom even stronger. And And that, to me, I think it's obviously good for college, but I think it's also good for American tennis in general because now we can actually have that sense of talking about players that are going to make it in the next, you know, at the next level, uh, like they do in basketball or football or uh, baseball to some degree. I don't know. I don't know who talks about hockey, but um, the same thing. And and so hopefully. As that age sort of skews older, people start to recognize that, and more and more players will 
continue to to look at college as an as a as a part of the process and not an either or. Because for a long time it was it was either I'm going pro or I'm giving up on that dream and going to college. And that's a bummer. So hopefully that's that age age uh, part of it is starting to change. I don't know how I got on that topic. I have no idea. But uh, but American tennis is what we're concerned about on this podcast. Mainly, I mean, all tennis, of course, but mainly American tennis. And I just think it. I could be wrong because it's such a global sport. I don't know, but it seems to me that our college ranks if you compared it to the other sports, would get us to the next level of popularity if if that pathway could um, kind of come into play. So anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I'll quit selling college tennis. I mean, I guess I'm, it's right. In, it, the actions happen. If you just get on Twitter and follow any number of feeds, um, you're going to come across almost every major school um and you know they're they're filming their their uh their teams winning and and the last match that clinches the match and the whole team runs onto the court i mean come on nobody that's almost what the sales pitch for Davis Cup Fed Cup is and we get it every week in college tennis so anyway that's uh I think that could it's a long term process, but it could help. And and again, I mentioned last last week as a pro version of that to have team tennis in the US, which who knows what the format. It couldn't be the college format. It's too too cumbersome and takes too many courts and too much time. But uh but anyway. All right, what else is going on in uh coach's lonely studio here? Uh ta- literally I'm looking at a wall. It's got those little like tri- not triangle, they're squares, but it's like the ridged, tri- raised triangle situation. I don't know what I'm saying. It, it when you think of foam for like soundproofing, uh, it's got those sort of beveled. I don't know what it, whatever. And uh, so I'm just looking out around at a room that's got a bunch of those, looking longingly at Corey's seat over there, empty. Um. Just hoping he'll save me from my ramblings, but yet he is not here, so I'm just going to ramble. Um, we did have some tennis this week um, on the professional level. Still the clay court season, and and I that's <laughs> I'm going to go off topic again. I'm trying to get to this tennis, but one thing I, I think would be cool is if it would be difficult for budgets, I guess, but I think it would be cool if we played more college events on different surfaces. I mean, the amount of international players across the country, that may, I know that causes consternation. I know it's a problem. I know a lot of people gripe about it, that um, slots are getting taken up by American players. There, there is That is an argument, and it's a valid argument, and I understand the pieces and parts of the argument, and I get it. However, if you take a look at baseball and basketball and football – international players do play those sports well not football how soccer there we go the other football so we use college soccer international athletes play i mean basketball is one of the biggest sports in the world now and obviously soccer already was and less so here um 
But all those sports have a, a vast number of international players that play at a high level, but they're not as the rosters, I don't think, college rosters at scholarship schools are not percentage-wise as high in those sports as they are in tennis. Now, why could that possibly be? Why, let me think, basketball, why is the rest of the world not playing that much college basketball? Hmm, could it be that we're really good at it? That we had on a dream team and we won the Olympics by like a thousand points, I think? Um, that's probably part of the reason though, that the basketball rosters are not full of international players. Now, they have some, sure. I'm sure they have some. I don't pay attention that much to college basketball, but I'm sure they have some international players. But the not well over, it's got to be, it's got to be well over 90% of the roster. I mean, well over 95%. It's got to be, I don't know how much more over 95% it could be because you only have five more percent left. But anyway, you get my point. A very high percentage are all Americans because we're the best at it in the world. We're actually world champs at that. I know. But in baseball, that's our pastime. So, of course, we're going to have a lot. Now, there's, I'm sure there's a ton of uh, roster spots that – not a ton, but I'm sure there's some roster spots that are filled by internationals. You know, the Caribbean – Huge baseball, huge baseball um, development goes on down there. And so I'm sure there's some baseball teams that have parts of the roster filled with international players. Asia, a ton of players in Asia. Same thing, but the bulk of them are still U.S. because we're good at it. That's our pastime. We invented baseball, I guess. So not I guess, of course we did. So tennis is not our sport first, and so and it's not as popular here by a long shot. Oh, man, by a long shot, let me tell you. And so the depth of our players is just not there. It's just not there. And so if we had the amount of players in tennis that we have in basketball to the level that we have in basketball, we wouldn't have this discussion. We wouldn't be having this discussion. There'd be enough players at the level necessary to go around and they'd beat out international players uh, and, and wouldn't even there wouldn't even be spots for them. Now, that's one part of the argument. I mean, I get it that that, that may not be the only thing. I mean, if, they, if the NCAA just said, hey, no internationals, which don't... I, can't imagine there'd be le- there would be legal fights. I just don't understand how it could be possible, what grounds somebody... But whatever, I'm not a lawyer. But there would be... Now, 100% of the roster spots would be American, and by the time you got way down to the bottom, it would be a pretty shabby brand of tennis. And so, you know, I don't know that there's enough players to go around to compete to the level that bringing in some top internationals um, are doing. I don't know. So I don't know why I got off on that topic either. Oh, because we have so many internationals. So why not have, because I think clay is probably favored among many parts. Probably a lot of Europeans like preferred clay. South Americans prefer clay. 
uh, the red clay. So that fits right in with how many internationals we have. Not to mention, maybe if we started training on clay a little more, we'd be better. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So that doesn't answer the international issue. That's not what didn't really bring that up to talk about the internationals in college tennis issue, even though this is a podcast about American tennis. Um, I can go either way. I see both sides of the argument, and I don't know. I don't know which way would ultimately ultimately lead. No, that's not true. Of course, I know which one would ultimately lead to American tennis being better. But in the short time, short term, college tennis would get worse. If we if we banned all international players from competing in NCAA, uh, let's just say Division One, for instance the level of tennis would get worse. That's a fact. And so now how does that help? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's a chicken or the egg. Does it go the other way? Develop enough American players and grow the game to the point where more American juniors are, are at the level they can push out internationals. I mean, there are teams that don't have any internationals that are very good. That's a fact. But... Not everybody can get any player they want. That's the problem. The Power Five conferences sort of can get the top Americans for the most part, especially the the more elite academic schools, because they have something to offer besides just the scholarship. You also, you know, have that education. So, um, anyway, I don't know what that ramble. I'm trying to talk about tennis today, pro tennis today, and I've got nothing. Uh, so far in yet but we're going to get to it as a matter of fact why don't we get to it when we come back and i'll try i'll try to stay on topic when we come back it's time to join the revolution go to our website tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. All right, ATP and WTA only, maybe. I was going to promise, but then I said, nah, I better not. I better not, because I'm by myself and I have no idea what I'm doing, so I don't know if I can control it. So... What do we have this week? So, smaller tournaments, but clay nonetheless. So, it's still exciting. We're, we're starting to build. We're starting to build towards the French. So, we had a couple of uh, ATP 250s. So, we had Estoril and Pass. Ended up winning that against Quivis uh, in straight sets. I watched a little bit. Now, I'm in the middle of my, or at the tail end of my tennis season as well, conference championships, NCAAs, all the rest of it. So, to be honest with you, I didn't get to see much at all. I did watch some replays, and I watched I watched a match, which some people might say was a good match. They might say that. I don't know if they'd be right or not. And that was the match between Tsitsipas uh, and Goffin. Now, the scoreline would make you think it was a good match. It was 3-6, 6-4, 6-4. Obviously, Tsitsipas won. Now, Goffin was a wild card, but he was a four seed. So, obviously, 
he didn't sign up in time or something. I don't know. Maybe his check didn't clear for the entry fee. I don't know how it all works. So it was a three-setter, which a lot of times you're thinking, oh, well, that's pretty good. That must have been competitive. And it was competitive, for sure. There's no doubt it was competitive. However, if it's competitive in score only, but maybe not in overall ability or overall quality, then that's when that's when my uh, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. Weakest error. I said it. Fine. The weakest error. So when you watch a match and the and the score line is close, but it just looks like crap and there's no rhythm to it. Even on clay, when you if you're playing on clay and you're making a ton of unforced errors then to me, it's not a good match. It's not a good match, especially on clay. We, I think I talked about this last week. I think Corey and I talked about it the week before. That you, you need to have more and longer rallies. So more rallies per set and longer rally, you know, more balls in a row per rally. For me, if it's going to be a considered a quality match but unforced errors come from you know either just lack of focus or making poor decisions and for the most part on the men's side because men are dum-dums apparently generally not just on the tour they just make bad decisions they just go for ridiculous shots which are spectacular sometimes I mean, everybody everybody blames Kyrgios, you know, that he's this kind of guy, this kind of player. But almost all of them do it. Almost all of them do it, which is why they can't seem to make headway with the big three and big four. And again, if you're new to the podcast, the big three, of course, are the big three. Everybody knows uh, Djokovic, Federer, Nadal in no particular order. Or are they? And then the big four is really one spot for the fourth made up of everyone that's won a Grand Slam besides the big three. And there's only like five of them in the past 30 years. Seems like 30 years. That would be the big four. It's one player made up of the conglomeration of Chilich, Delpo, um, Murray. Murray's a squeak ahead. Just a squeak, but I think that's mainly because he the first you know time he had a real run, he took advantage of that run and, and got him a couple and a gold medal. But uh, but yeah, so Delpo, Chilich, Warinka, um, Murray. I'm missing somebody, but it doesn't matter. They're just the, the fourth, and they're not even near the level of the big three, uh, even though the big three is like fifty. And then you have the next gen, which is Zverev, etc., and he lost again early, as usual. I don't care. I don't care if Clay's his jam or not. If you're three in the world, everything's your jam. You shouldn't be losing in the first round. For the love of all things holy. So anyway, so um, so yeah, so he, so yeah, he lost early, which was not good. 
Now, another story is is uh, this young fella, uh, Christian Guerin. And he was in Munich at that 250, the BMW Open, and he won that and in uh, three sets. And again, I think we're probably getting ahead of ourselves with him. Maybe. But I don't know yet. But yeah, probably. Probably. Everybody's starting to say, oh, wow, he's had some results multiple weeks in a row. So he must be the next great thing. Maybe. But slow your roll. And by the way, as as Corey has alluded to multiple times, Clay brings out Clay quarters. Um, So who knows? Anyway, so again, that's the number one thing I look at when I'm watching the men is – is this just making bad choices? I mean, just making bad choices because yes, they have the physical ability to make some of these shots, but the problem is they don't have the ability to make them at a high enough percentage of times to justify going for it. Whereas the big three do, they just do. And you know, for for all that I've said about weakest era, I mean, there's got. I'm not going to do the work. There's no chance. First of all. I don't even know where to find stats like this. Second of all, there's no chance I'm doing the work to to do this. But there's got to be smart people out there listening. We have a lot of listeners that, I mean, they listen, so they're automatically smart. But the amount of unforced errors to winners or forced errors has to be worse, or however you characterize it, than it is in previous years. And certainly is worse than the big three and the big four. So, in other words, the next gen suck at this the most. And they're young. To be fair, generally, as a general rule, most people, more particularly men, uh, make dumber choices of all sorts, not just tennis, when they're younger. So, I get it. But if you're three in the world, I don't care how old you are. Your tennis age and your age age are two different things. Sometimes. Or they should be or can be. And so if you're three in the world, you're an adult. You're a grown-up tennis player, even if you're not a grown-up. Or if you're not, maybe it's more proof this is hashtag the week is there. By the way, feel free to follow us on Twitter at TennisRevPod uh, because I drop hashtag week, weakest error a lot. Well, not a lot because I don't tweet or comment or whatever much. But when I do, it's mostly a snide comment about weakest error i think uh, once again somebody sent out the the all too familiar tweet of oh look at this the top three in the world were you know federer Djokovic, and nadal in whatever order back in you know 1987 and look in 2050 it's the same at some point the further away those two dates get when they're describing the the big three being one through three in whatever order and then further into the future and they keep going year after year and they're still oh look they're still come on come on at some point that becomes proof that it's the weakest error they can be the three greatest players of all time that is absolutely possible that's absolutely possible i've never taken that away from them individually or as a group however come on Ridiculous 
ridiculous, ridiculous that Federer's 37 years old and still doing what he's doing. Nobody gets better as they get older. It's literally physically impossible. It's physically impossible. And yet here we are and nobody can keep up with them. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I think I'm right. I might not be, but I'm pretty sure I am. But I don't know why. All right. Who cares about the men? Men are stupid. So then we had uh, some women's tournaments. So we had Rabat, which uh, Maria, the Greek Maria Sakari won in three sets over Kanta. And uh, again, I was busy with my teams, and so I didn't get to see much. I watched some of this tournament um, on replay on the Tennis Channel. And I must say, I don't know if it's different than years past. I don't really catalog this stuff or, or remember, but I, there's a lot of tennis on. And I have no problem with tape-delayed tennis because I don't live in some of these places. I don't even know where Rabat is. Where is that? I don't know. doesn't matter. I've never been there. I'll never be there. But clearly it's a different time zone. And and so it's hard to watch live matches. Oh, it's in Morocco. All right, there you go. Wonderful. Oh, the Moroccan Riviera. Did somebody call it that? I don't know. Anyway, so are the, yeah, no, whatever. So the Tennis Channel has been doing a fa- seemingly a fantastic job for the first time ever. But again, I'm not sure about that. I haven't cataloged all the hours of tennis over the past five years to compare it, but it just seems like now there is tennis on a lot and there's a lot of tennis on live. And and one thing I've always said is I don't care if you charge for it. If the market is there and people will pay for it, and because people will pay for it, it's worth you as a company, Tennis Channel, putting that service in place, although your app sucks i can't it could be me it might be me but it shouldn't be me because take care of it make it a one but make it easy because there's other i watch game of thrones on my app now what that's easy boom i get hbo go or whatever i seem to have figured that out so i'm not that much of a moron i'm not that old but the tennis i can't get the tennis channel app to work right. And I paid whatever that hundred and whatever it was for the year. Uh, so it's not, it's not me being, uh, you know, a ne'er-do-well and trying to get it for free. Uh, now I would prefer free tennis. Of course, don't hold hostage the tournaments. I mean, give them a little bit of everything, but if there's a market for it and that market encourages somebody in this case, tennis channel to put a service in place that we can get it. I've got no problem with that. I have no problem with that. I don't I don't expect Game of Thrones to be on PBS. Although, I must say, I'm going to Downton Abbey was dope. I definitely watched Downton Abbey and I will be the first one. I'll be in line for that movie before I go see Avengers Endgame. If it well, not before because I don't know when it comes out. But apparently Downton Abbey's coming out with a movie, so you didn't know I had that kind of depth, did you? I'm a downstairs person. I know that's right. Anyway, all right, so the women uh, were in Rabat, also, again, on clay. And I will say this, I'm going to have to upgrade to a 4K or whatever 
whatever's next. I don't know what I have. I don't know what's next, but I'll just go somewhere and get something because this clay court situation is a problem. It's hard to see the ball. I've got a good TV. I don't have a, you know, a, a, a 20 inch, you know, black and white or something. I mean, I've got an HD TV, whatever the number, you know, again, I don't know, but it's a Samsung, it's a smart TV. So that means it's somewhat recently manufactured and it's, and it's just tough to see. I have direct TV, so I don't know if that factors in, but it's, uh, makes it a little tough, a little tough. Um, so hopefully 4k rim if you know by all means tweet at me or whatever at tennis rev pod and let me know if 4k if you've got that out there if it makes a difference um because uh if it doesn't please save me two grand or whatever 4k tv costs i hope it costs less than that all right i'm i'm not stalling so i don't have to talk about women i swear but as i mentioned i didn't see a lot of tennis so they're in prague and they're in Rabat. so in prague Um, let's see who won in Prague. I mean, I'm telling you who won. You already know who won. You have the internet. I don't know why I'm telling you who won. Who cares? Who cares? Daniel Collins did not make it out of the first round. Come on, America. What are you doing? Ah, but neither did Sevastova and, and she's a two seed. There you go. Who else is in this bad boy? So anyway, a qualifier from Switzerland, Teichman, Tickman, Tickman. Teachman, Teichman, you know her, Jill. Uh, she ended up winning. I was about to say she won in the finals, but that's how you win a tournament. Uh, three sets, seven six, three six six four. So that seems to be a compelling match. Again, I don't know what the stats are, but um, but I did watch some of this stuff. Not a lot, but again, it's a smaller tournament. Anyway, I will tell you this. Here's where my theory on weakest era might start getting a little shaky when I compare the women to the men. Because the men, are, are they just suck, is my opinion. And it seems to me the women are better. Now, of course, the 317th guy in the world could beat the number one woman in the world. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is overall the level of the men is not good compared to the level of the women. And then here comes... Svetlana. I don't know how old she is, but she's been around for a long time. For a long time, and she's still getting it done. I mean, she beat Buzernescu. So I'm talking about Svetlana Kuznetsova. She was a wild card, and she beat somebody who's you know in the you know the tennis fans you know kind of purview now. Uh, Michaela Buzernescu, and she beats her four and two. And so I, the same thing I say about the men. I now it's only one player. To be fair, all right. So get off my back a little bit. But Kuznetsova has been around for a minute, and so now she's coming back older. And beating these new youngsters. And I'm, so I'm like, well, wait a second. Wait a second. Now, to be fair, she's a Grand Slam winner. Multiple. I think two. And so she was a very, very accomplished player. High of number two in the world. So 
It's not like she's just old and that's it. Just some old broad coming out to play tennis. Not at all. But she shouldn't be, you know, be well, that, not not shouldn't be. That's the wrong that's the wrong terminology. But there she is. She's 33. She's 33, 11th all time in prize money. Good Lord, for female. They had to put female, I guess. Don't get me started on that. 24500000 for all-time prize money. Good Lord, that's a lot of money. But apparently it's not equal. Don't get me started. Um, but she's coming. So hopefully... That's not going to derail my theory on the women's side because I want to maintain that the level is better in terms of you know head to head against each other. the 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 quality is the word I'm looking for. The quality is better, and so if anybody, I mean, a perfect example is Sharapova. She cannot keep it together physically. She certainly can. She's just having trouble. And she's older. That's how it should work. Younger players come in, they're fit, they're strong, they're healthy, and and they can just focus on actually playing tennis. Whereas, you know, these these players over thirty should start to be dealing with issues. Now, I don't want them to. That's not what I'm saying. But that's just how nature works. I think. And so now we have one player, just one, who's Netsova, who's coming back. She's thirty three, and she's starting to beat some people. Well, maybe she's a one-off and just she's just tough and, again, with her experience and all the rest of it. All right, fine. We'll see. Um, but hopefully that's it. Hopefully that's it. I don't want to see what's happening on the men's side start to happen where, wait a second, we're just being tricked because all the matches are close, but it's really bad. That's what's happening on the men's side. I don't th- – my theory is that's not the way the women's women's are, so – uh, I think I'm right, but Kuznetsov, Kuznetsova, not Kuznetsov, that's a hockey player. Kuznetsova is trying to mess that up, but uh, right now she's just an aberration, so it's not real. It's a figment of my imagination. So what do we got starting today? Well, starting this weekend, Madrid started. Now, what are we going to say about Madrid? What is the most important thing about Madrid? Hmm. I know what it's going to be. Is the prize money the same? It's really close. It's like seven million twenty-one thousand on the women, and seven million two hundred seventy-nine thousand on the men. Why is that different? That doesn't make sense. I mean, when it's that close, what are we doing? Are they just doing it to be a holes? <laughs> I think that's what they're doing. I think they're just. What if they made it one dollar more? What if the men was seven million two hundred seventy nine thousand two hundred seventy one dollars, and the women was two hundred seventy dollars? Just one dollar. Oh, that'd be worse than just not having it even. That would be worse than just not having it even. So, so Madrid on the men's side, it's go time. It is go time. So we've got Djokovic at the one, Nadal at the two, and y'all thought, oh, is that it? Is that all that matters? Nope. Roger the Dodger is back. And I say Dodger, not as in Roger the Dodger as baseball, the L.A. Dodgers or Brooklyn Dodgers, but no, Roger the Dodgers, and he's been dodging clay court tennis for two years or three years or whatever it was. So he's back. 
So let's see how rested and how fit he is. And I swear, if he rolls through a clay court draw and gets to one of the big three or the big four, because Delpo's in the house, uh, he's playing, Chilich is here. The, sec- the, the Prince of Clay is here. Not. Nisha Corey is in. I mean, this is going to be fun. You got some of the youngsters, Hatchinoff, Team. You got some of the OGs like Monfils, Fabio, who's having been having a good clay court season. Um, so hopefully some of these matchups will come to fruition that proves, again, once again, I'm right. If the big three and, and even the big four end up taking all the spots up in the quarters, I'm out. I'm out. I'm never watching men's tennis again. If that's what happens, I'm out. Call me when they retire. Call me when some 14-year-old is now 18 and from America, I hope, and we'll start all this thing over and see what's what. But um, I fear that's what's going to happen. And it may not be the Joker. It may not be Djokovic. But again, this is kind of go time for him. So he better make it deep and better start looking you know, better and better. Um, like playing-wise, level-wise, you better start looking better and better because he's got a lot of pressure. Not just the pressure to be greatest of all time, all that stuff. No, the pressure to make me right. Because I've picked it. I went on a. I don't know if anybody else has gone out on this limb and picked a Joker Slam, but I've got the Joker Slam in my pocket, and I'm still calling it. And I don't care what happens in Madrid. I'm still going for the Joker Slam. So, all right, what else do we have? Oh, I'll tell you one match I did see today. Uh, I guess it was a replay this morning uh, or something. I can't remember when exactly I saw it, but osaka Sibokova was a quality match. Now, that was a quality match. That was fun. Sibokova was a tough, tough customer, and uh, Osaka's the one seed at Madrid, and they played a tough match. I'm surprised they played so hard when they uh, they make $200,000 less in this tournament. It's crazy. Um what do we got? So Sabalenka, uh, she's out. So she's the 10 seed. Just trying to look at these seeds that already got beat. Uh, Holop is through. Come on, Ash Barty. Oh, nope, never mind. Danielle Collins is playing Ash Barty in the, next, in the second round. So we're pulling for the American. I am. I, mean, I don't know what y'all are doing, but I am. Sloan Stevens got off to a little bit of a slow start, but uh, ended up winning. Uh, so I'm looking for her to start getting it together now she's engaged so she's got no worries except planning a wedding um and that's not a big deal all right now my my theory i guess didn't hold true because madison keys madison keys seated 13 goes out to sustaya um who's in as a wild card in a three set so my theory on clay with her is she hits big which hurts her because clay slows it down but when people hit it to her, the ball sits up right more in her strike zone and ideally makes, you know, for potentially uh, more opportunities to hit big. Well, I guess it didn't work. I guess my my uh, theory failed. Another good match I, I watched. I think I was watching it live this morning. I can't ever remember. But uh, Muguruza was playing Martic. And so I, I thought that was a pretty high-level match. Um, Petra Martic came through in that match. Um, but yeah, quality tennis from the women as usual. Men suck. 
and I'm not even sexist. I am, but just not against men. Uh, kidding. Kidding. But yeah, I think Madrid Madrid uh, is the one that matters, I think, on the men's side. We're going to start to see Djokovic, see what he looks like, see if he's physically all the way back yet. And uh and it will work if he if he loses early, I'm gonna start worrying about my prediction. So anyway. So um Madrid this week, so y'all enjoy that. I'm not gonna predict anything because who cares about predictions? They're dumb. And um and then we'll talk a little bit. Hopefully Corey's feeling better and back. And uh I mean, if he's in bed not feeling good, uh, he's got plenty of time to watch tennis. So hopefully he'll be full of uh, tennis insight and uh, and all that. So, all right, double go back to your Twitter. Don't forget, make sure you're following at Tennis Rev Pod on Twitter. Um, I don't tweet out a lot, but when I do, it's me being a jackass. So that's always good. Um, and my, the most fun thing is just roasting Prince whenever they Prince Tennis sends out. Not the singer. I would never roast the singer ever but when prince tennis sends something out come on i mean they're just asking for it they're just asking for it so so follows on twitter not for you to get information on the pod episodes because you already got them but it's the vehicle through which you better share it retweet it and whatever else you do, like it and, and whatever else. I don't care if you like it, unless that helps. I don't know. I know retweeting does. I don't know what liking does. So do that. You can go to our Instagram. Again, I'm debating on what to do with Instagram. Sending out audio is not the same as sending out pictures, and I've always promised never to send out a picture, so I don't know. But if you want to follow Instagram, that's fine. Tennis Revolution Pod, so the full word revolution at Tennis Revolution Pod. I do want some more followers. We've been stuck at 115 for a while, which is not bad considering we send out nothing. So that's not bad. So, all right. So, as far as uh, where you can find us, tell your friends. Spotify, we're on Spotify now. I don't even know what that means. Apparently, that's a good thing. Um, of course, you're hearing us wherever you're hearing us. So, continue to do that. And uh, as always, Thanks for joining the revolution. Get better, Corey.